Grace Church would like to invite you to listen to a sermon by our pastor, Todd Nyberg. We are located at 4137 Todd's Road, two miles outside of Manowar Boulevard. Sunday services are at 10.30 a.m. and 6 p.m. Bible study is at 9.45 a.m. Wednesday services are at 7 p.m. Nursery is provided for all services. For more information, visit our website at toddsroadgracechurch.com. Now here's our pastor, Todd Nyberg. Tomorrow is Christmas Day, the day that we uh, think of the Lord's birth. Of course, it's impossible to know what day He was born, but He was born. God was manifest in the flesh. And what I want to consider is why He came. And we're going to look at an Old Testament passage of Scripture to see why He came and what He did in coming. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 3, we read these words that the gospel is how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scripture. Now, when Paul made that statement, the, we did not yet have the New Testament canon. He was speaking of the Old Testament scriptures. The gospel is how that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. In this same epistle to 1 Corinthians, he said, Christ, our Passover, is sacrificed for us. So what I want us to consider is the Passover. There's not a passage in the Old Testament that identifies more clearly to us as to what Christ was doing, why he came, and what he accomplished. Now, <clears throat> Egypt is in shambles. God has sent nine plagues that have completely devastated the land. They are in shambles. No nation can stand before the God of Israel. But Pharaoh, God hardened his heart. Even after the land of Egypt was destroyed under the plagues, the heavy hand of God in judgment, Pharaoh's heart was hardened by the Lord himself. The scripture does speak that way. That's why he acted so insanely. After these nine plagues, we read in Exodus chapter 10, verse 27, but the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart. Now, if you could get a Bible and follow along with this, I think it would be helpful. I'm reading from the last of Exodus chapter 10, verse 27, but the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart and he would not let them go. And Pharaoh said unto him, get thee from me, speaking to Moses. He says, get thee from me, take heed to thyself to see my face no more, for in the day thou seest my face, thou shalt die. And Moses said, thou hast spoken well, I'll see thy face again no more. You see, Moses knew the living God, and he knew Pharaoh was God's pawn 
performing God's will. Do you remember that scripture where God said, with regard to Pharaoh, even for this same purpose, have I raised you up that I might show my power in you and my name might be declared throughout all the earth. Chapter 11, and the Lord said unto Moses, yet will I bring one more plague upon Pharaoh. This is after the nine and upon Egypt. Afterward, he'll let you go hence. And when he shall let you go, he shall surely thrust you out hence altogether. He's going to want you out of here. He's going to do everything he can to get you out of here because he's going to be so devastated over what's taken place. Speak now in the ears of the people and let every man borrow of his neighbor and every woman of her neighbor jewels of silver and jewels of gold. Now, no doubt, many of the uh, children of Israel had perhaps become friends with some of the Egyptians. He said, go get their gold, go get their silver, go get their jewels. And you know, they gave them to them willingly. And the Lord gave the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians. <laughs> they handed over their silver and their gold and their jewels. You see, this is going to be used uh, to uh, make the tabernacle in the wilderness. Moreover, the man Moses was very great in the land of Egypt, in the sight of Pharaoh's servants, in the sight of people. And Moses said, and this is when he's speaking to Pharaoh, Thus saith the Lord, about midnight will I go out into the midst of the Egypt. And all the firstborn in the land of Egypt shall die from the firstborn of Pharaoh that sits upon the throne, even unto the firstborn of the maidservant that's behind the mill, and all the firstborn of the beasts. I mean, I don't care if it's Pharaoh or the most insignificant slave or an animal. All the firstborn are going to die in Egypt. This is the tenth plague. And there shall be a great cry throughout all the land of Egypt, such as there was none like it, nor shall be any be like it any more. But against any of the children of Israel shall not a dog move his tongue. Against man or beast, that you may know how that the Lord doth put a difference between the Egyptians and Israel. God said not even a dog is going to bark against any of the children of Israel. So you're going to know that the difference between the children of Israel and Egypt is the Lord making a difference. Sovereign, distinguishing, discriminating grace. Now discrimination is a horrible thing, but not when it comes to grace. The only way you and I will be saved is if God makes a difference. And he says against the children of Israel shall not a dog move his tongue. And all these thy servants shall come down unto me and bow down themselves unto me, saying, Get thee out, and all the people that follow thee. And after that, I'll go out. And he went out from, anger, from Pharaoh in a great anger. And the Lord said unto Moses, Pharaoh shall not hearken unto you, that my wonders may be multiplied in the land of Egypt. And Moses and Aaron did all these wonders before Pharaoh, and the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart so that he would not let the children of Israel go out of the land. After all of this devastation, he still wouldn't do it. God hardened his heart. Now we're going to read about the Passover. And the Lord spake unto Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, saying, This month shall be unto you the beginning of months, it shall be the first month of the year to you. Now here's the significance of the Passover. The calendar was changed. Now at this time would have been about the seventh month, roughly our September. And God says, 
I'm changing it. This is the beginning of months. Now, here's the significance. This is when spiritual life begins. Now, understand, we're born dead in trespasses and sins. And if we're saved, we're given life. And this is when life begins when we understand the Passover. That's faith in Christ. Understanding the Passover and faith in Christ. Now, there's so much debate about when life begins. At what point does a fetus become a person? Let me give you this scripture. God said in Jeremiah 1, Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. That answers that question. Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. Now, spiritual life, insofar as our experience goes, is when we keep the Passover by faith in Christ. That is why the calendar was changed. Now, one could say that life begins in the book of life of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. It is called the book of life. And God said, Behold, I've loved thee with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness have I drawn thee. Uh, God's people have always had life in Christ. They're eternally united to Him. But we, as a result of Adam's fall, are born into this world dead in trespasses and sins. Dead. That's what the scripture says. What can a dead man do? Can a dead man believe? Can a dead man repent? Can a dead man love? Can a dead man see? No, he's dead in sins. Our life begins when God the Holy Spirit gives us life. That's what the new birth is. And here's what takes place when you have life. You believe the Passover. You understand the Passover. You find your hope in the Passover. That's how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scripture. Now, verse 3 of Exodus chapter 12. Speak ye unto all the congregation of Israel, saying, In the tenth day of this month, they shall take to them every man a lamb, according to the house of their fathers, a lamb for an house. A very specific time, you're going to take this lamb, Every house is to have a lamb. And if the household be too little for the lamb, let him and his neighbor next unto his house take it according to the number of the souls. Every man according to his eating shall make your count for the lamb. This lamb was for every individual. Christ died for every single one of his people. Now he describes this lamb in verse 5. Your lamb shall be without blemish. This speaks of the holy, sinless life of Jesus Christ. He never committed a sin. He kept God's law perfectly in thought, in word, in deed, in motive. He never sinned. Your lamb shall be without blemish. A male out of the first year, you shall take it out from the sheep and from the goats. And you shall keep it into the 14th day of the same month. You're to look at that lamb for 14 days. Now, why 14? What's the significance of that? There's always a significance to everything in the Scripture. 14 is 
Two times seven. Seven, perfection. Two refers to the two natures of the Lord Jesus Christ. Perfect deity and perfect humanity. That's our lamb. Perfect deity and perfect humanity. And what were they to do with this lamb? It says, And the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it in the evening. What good would the perfect obedience of Christ do me if he didn't die? If he didn't die, there would be no resurrection from the dead. If he didn't die, there would be no putting away of sin. If he didn't die, there would be no transfer of his righteousness to me. You see, in his death, my sin became his and his righteousness becomes mine. Oh, the death of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the only hope I have, that Jesus Christ died for me. I love what Paul said when he said, Who is he that condemneth? It's Christ that died. Yea, rather that's risen again, who's even at the right hand of God. His perfect life would be of no avail to you and I if he did not die. Isaiah said he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him and by his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord hath laid upon him the iniquity of us all. Kill it that evening. Now we read in verse 7. And thou shalt take of the blood of that lamb without blemish that's killed. Remember this is how that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. And they shall take of the blood and strike it on the two side posts and on the upper doorposts of the houses whereinto they shall eat it. You are to go in this house with the blood over the door to eat the Passover lamb. And eating the Passover lamb teaches us so much about faith. Look in verse 8. It says, And they shall eat the flesh in that night roast with fire. You see, that represents Christ being roasted under the wrath of God as the sinner substitute. It's Christ crucified, roasted under the wrath of God and with unleavened bread. You know, Paul said in the New Testament, a little leaven leavens the whole lump. If you have any leaven, any works, one work in your salvation that you did, you make the whole thing of works. No, there can't be any leaven at all, unleavened bread. And with bitter herbs they shall eat it. The bitterness of bondage. The bitterness of salvation by works. When you look to Christ you understand something of the bitterness of how you can't be saved by your works. Eat not of it raw nor sodden at all with water. Don't let it be watered down but roast with fire his head with his legs and with the pertinence thereof and you shall let nothing of it remain into the morning. You have to eat all of it. Believe every doctrine of Christ, all the doctrine of God. You're to eat all of it, and that which remaineth of it until the morning, you shall burn it with fire, and thus shall ye eat it. With your loins girded, and your shoes on your feet, and your staff in your hand. That's a traveling posture. You know, when you believe the gospel, this world is not your home. You're just traveling through it, waiting for that time of eternal glory in the presence of Christ. That's when you're truly home. But this world is not your home. You're simply traveling through it. And he says, eat it in haste. Don't wait for something to happen. 
Don't wait till you understand more. Don't wait till you become better. Don't wait till you gain more knowledge. Don't wait until you can stop some particular sin and start doing some good thing. Don't wait on anything. Eat it in haste. Look to the Lord Jesus Christ right now. Don't wait. Look right now. Eat it in haste for it's the Lord's Passover. This is what the Lord has provided. It's the Lord's Passover. Now we read in verse 12 where God says, For I will pass through the land of Egypt this night and will smite all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast. Do you know everyone in Egypt had the firstborn die? You say, what about the children of Israel? Well, that lamb died. That firstborn lamb died. But in every home, there was death. Without exception, there was screaming and yelling in the homes of the Egyptians where their firstborn died. What grief that must have been. In the children of Israel, the lamb died. The blood was over the door. If I was in one of those houses with the blood over the door, I know what I wouldn't do. I wouldn't want to go outside of it. I would want to stay in the house. That's the only place of safety. Now God says, For I'll pass through the land of Egypt this night and will smite all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, against all the gods of Egypt. I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. Now understand, the gospel is a thing of God executing judgment. You see, when Jesus Christ died, God made the way For him to be just, absolutely just, inflexibly just, perfectly just, and yet justify the ungodly. He made a way for me in my sin to stand before God without sin, perfectly just in his sight. Isn't that glorious? That's why Christ came. We're talking about his coming when he was born into this world. He came to make a way for God to be just. And justify the ungodly. Now hear the gospel promise. God says in verse 13. And the blood. That blood of the lamb without blemish and without spot. Which pictures the perfect precious blood of Christ. That one who never sinned. And the blood shall be to you. For a token. Upon the houses. Where you are. And when I see the blood, this is God's promise. When I see the blood, I will pass over you. And the plague shall not be upon you to destroy you when I smite the land of Egypt. God's promise. When I See the blood. He did not say when I see your faith. He did not say when I see your repentance. He did not say when I see your love. He did not say when I see your sincerity. He did not say when I see your uh, battling against sin and and stopping sinning and, and giving up a sinful life. He didn't say when I see your efforts He didn't say when I see your doctrinal understanding and your doctrinal position. He didn't say when I see the denomination you're in. He said when I see the blood. That's all God 
was looking for. When I see the blood. Now, what if that very day, now remember there were probably at least two million Israelites at that time observing this Passover. What if on that day, one of the children of Israel committed, let's say, the sin of murder? Maybe in anger, they murdered somebody. That's a horrible thing. It's a great sin. What if some other uh, of the children of Israel committed some kind of sexual sin? Maybe they were put in a time of temptation and it just came upon them and it happened. And there they were. They committed this great sin. Uh, Name any sin you can think of. What if they committed some horrible sin? If they were in the house with the blood over the door, with the blood over the door, were they punished anyway? Now you answer that honestly. If they were in a house with the blood over the door, what did God say? He said, when I see the blood, I will pass over you. Your security was in the house with the blood. Well, what if it was the most sinful Israelite of all the two million Israelites? God still said, when I see the blood, I will pass over you. And the fact of the matter is, they were all equally sinful. Maybe somebody did something outwardly worse than somebody else, but they were all equally sinful and all equally in need of the grace of God. But God said, when I see the blood, I will pass over you. And that's what God says to every believer. When I see the blood, I will pass over you. Who had to see the blood? God didn't say when you see the blood. He said when I see the blood. Now once again, let's think about this house with the blood over the door. I have no doubt that Moses, when he was in that house with the blood over the door, he didn't have any doubts. He was secure. He believed God's promise. God said when I see the blood, I'll pass over you. I'm in the house with the blood. He'll pass over me. But I feel quite sure that there were also many people who were scared to death. Perhaps they were thinking of sins they'd committed and they were afraid, what if he punishes me anyway? I can see why I would. Not really thinking about the promise. God said, when I see the blood, I will pass over you. Not when you see the blood, but when I see the blood. We have some people who were very confident and we had some people who were Trembling and insecurity and fear when that when the Lord passed through in judgment. Now here, let me ask you a question. Was Moses any more secure than a very faint-hearted and weak-hearted Israelite who was scared to death? Was Moses more secure than they were? Were they less secure than he was? No. Because the security was in the blood. When I see the blood. This is God speaking. That's all he was looking for. Not when you see it. When I see the blood. Not when I see your works. Not when I see your efforts. When I see the blood. That's all God was looking for. I will pass over you. And you were 
safe if you're in the house with the blood over the door. If you're in Christ, Christ is the house with the blood over the door. If you're in Christ, according as He hath chosen us in Him, before the foundation of the world, of Him are you in Christ Jesus, who of God has made unto us wisdom, righteousness, sanctification, and redemption in Christ. If you're in Christ, accepted in the Beloved, in whom we have redemption through His blood, even the forgiveness of sins. If you're in Christ, that's all God sees. He doesn't see your sinfulness. All He sees is Jesus Christ. All he sees is the powerful, precious blood of Jesus Christ that cleanses us from all sin. That's all God had to see. Now, this is the gospel promise. This is why Christ came. Christ came as a representative man. He came to keep the law perfectly. And that is exactly what he did. He never sinned. He said, He said, the prince of this world has come and found nothing in me. He looked for something and he couldn't find anything he could take hold of. If he comes to look for something in me or you, he's got plenty he can take hold of. But not in the Son of God. Christ Jesus kept the law perfectly. And what did he do after that? He was nailed to a cross. Now the reason when he was nailed to a cross was not because he was a victim. Not because he was a martyr. Not because he couldn't do anything about it. Remember, he's the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. He came to die. And that's exactly what he did. He shed his precious blood on Calvary's tree. And what happened as a result of his precious blood? This is why he came. This is why he came that night in Bethlehem and was born. He came to shed his precious blood. And what was accomplished in the shedding of his precious Precious blood. Listen to the scripture. Romans chapter 4 verse 25. He was delivered for our offenses. That's why he died. He was delivered for our offenses. And he was raised again for our justification. When he was raised from the dead, everyone he represented was justified. That's why he came. He came to, he came to make a way for God to be just and justify the ungodly. And when he was raised from the dead, every believer, without exception, was justified. Now, if I'm justified, that means I have no guilt. That means I have no sin. That means I've never committed sin. Because the perfect righteousness of Christ is my righteousness before God. That perfect life that he worked out, the righteousness of God, is mine. That is why the Lord Jesus came. As our Passover. Christ our Passover. Is sacrificed for us. And I don't, do not know of any scripture. That's more comforting to this sinner than this. When God says. And this is his promise. When I see the blood. The blood of his son. I will pass over you. You are not going to be judged for your sins, but you're going to be justified by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. What a glorious gospel we have. 
Now we have this message, message on DVD and CD, or if you look at the church website, you can get the message. This is Todd Nyberg praying that God will be pleased to make himself known to you. That's our prayer. Amen. To receive a copy of the sermon you have just heard, send your request to todd.nybert at gmail.com or you may write or call the church at the information provided on the screen. 